0: I once was
1: lost in silver
0: Watches day and night I go to him In prayer, he knows my Every care, just a little Talk with Jesus makes it right Have a little Talk with Jesus, tell him All about our troubles, hear Our faintest cry, answer By and by now when you feel A prayer will turn in, you'll Know a little fire is burning You'll find a little talk with Jesus Makes it right Have Have a little talk with Jesus our troubles hear our faintest cry and he'll answer by and by Get a little prayer will turn it you'll know a little fire is
1: burning you'll find a little talk with jesus makes it right you'll find a little talk with jesus makes it right
2: praise the lord good seeing everybody this morning it looks like we're a little light today it's a uh Brady, and holidays are over. We may need to get on the phone and remind folks that once holidays are over, you got to keep on coming, right? Amen? Praise the Lord. It's good seeing everybody this morning. Uh, I, I pray that you had a great morning. Those that are in Sunday school, we had some uh, great Sunday school discussions, and we're in prayer about our next Sunday school uh, lessons that we're going to be picking up, so I'll ask you to pray about that as well. Uh, th- just keep looking up and putting God in the lead, and we'll go where he tells us to go. Amen. So let's pray that right now for the service today. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will be here amongst us, not just amongst us, but leading us, Lord God. I pray that we will follow your direction. If there's someone here today that needs to make a decision, whether it's to accept you as their Lord and Savior or to something in their personal life, their business life, I don't know, Lord God, but may each one of us individually listen for your voice spoken directly to our hearts this day. God, we give you praise and glory and and honor for for being that lord for knowing who and what is best for us so i pray lord god that you will touch each one of us in a special way and may the service this day lord god just be a sweet testimony to you may it may it glorify you may it be a sweet sound to your ears may you be able to to sit back in glory and look down upon sutherland springs and with 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 a, a righteous pride point down and say those are my children down there worshiping me god may we bring all glory to you and edify one another and we just give you all praise We give you all honor, and we thank you for being with us this day. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. It's good seeing everybody. As I said, walk around a second, shake somebody's hand, give somebody a hug, but let them know it's good to see them in God's house today.
3: Bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears, God is bigger than any mountain
1: that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see, Bigger than all the shadows that fall across my path, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see, Bigger than my confusion, bigger than anything, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all the giants of fear and unbelief, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than my discouragement, bigger than anything, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all the shadows that fall across my path. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than my confusion.
2: I, I know it. I know it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, guys. Okay, we got just a few announcements this morning. And and let me say, too, guys, um, I, I'm, I can't say any kind of detail or anything like that. It's just brought to me. We have a major prayer request uh, for the church. So we just need to be uh, just pray for one another and pray for the families that you may not see here today and just pray that God's will will be done and everybody's uh, safe and sound. It was just brought to my attention, so I don't know details. So just know to be praying for one another. Pray for church members and such. Um, Yeah, I can't say anything about it, really. Other than that, just be praying for one another. But we do have a few announcements here this morning, first of which, next weekend is a big weekend in the fact that our youth invasion will be that Sunday. The youth will be bringing the service, music, sermon, and all. We have a young man that is willing and wanting and ready to to share the scriptures with us, and, and I'm excited to hear what the youth are going to do. So I pray that you will come and support the youth and know that God will speak through them just as he can speak through anyone else that he gives the word to. It's not about age. It's about a willingness to be used by Christ. So the youth will be in here and presenting the service next Sunday. Also, following that service is our scheduled bi-yearly business meeting. Uh, I want to encourage you to come for that. It, you Bring a covered dish or whatever, And we have a potluck lunch, and it's a great time of fellowship. We eat, and then we go into our business meeting. And the great thing there is if you've never been to one of our business meetings, it is a time of fellowship. It is not one of the ones the comedians use on on the TV about how uh, ugly it can get. I praise the Lord for what God's done. And just to kind of give you a a thought, we talk about where the church has been and what we look forward to each time. As we were in our staff meeting this week, and I was thinking about what I was going to talk about, Really, everything that I can bring up about the last six months has been a blessing from Christ. God has truly blessed this church this last six months from our new sign, the new roof. We got just so much stuff that God has blessed us with. So praise God for that. Amen? In fact, give God the glory right now. You'll hear it all next week, but praise the Lord. So I hope you can come and stay for business meeting. Everyone's invited, Uh, member or not, everybody is invited. and, And that way you can hear where the church is being, what God's doing and where we hope to be heading as well. Again, as I said, just keep folks in your prayers and, and, and just keep praying that God's in the lead. As long as God's a the in point, as long as God's in direct, directing the show, remember, it's not about the pastor. It's not about any one of you guys individually. It's about Christ. And if each one of us is following Christ, you know what happens? The rest of us are going to be following right in with each other. Amen? God's in the forefront. Always remember that. Then two... Uh, um, Immediately following the service today, I believe, is the, uh, the baby shower for Lindsay. So I want to encourage you to, ladies, if you'd like to stay. I, I guess men, too. Does it say men, too? Nope, I think it's ladies. Nope, ladies of all ages. <laughs> <laughs> ladies of all ages, it's in the fellowship hall following the service today. So I want to encourage you to stay for that. And then on the women's retreat that's coming up on February 5th and 6th, We'll be uh, taking the bus. the the fuel in the bus, the 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 hotel, everything. It's eighty dollars covers everything: fuel, the hotel, the fee for the ladies' treat, everything. However, here's the 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 caveat I have to add to that: if not enough ladies sign up, then it's probably not worth the while of going. Sherry said to to, to share with you guys. The right now only four people have signed up. Usually there's quite a bit more than that. So ladies, if you would like to go, make, today's the last day for signing up to get everything in. That's why I'm saying it this way. So if you really would like to go and you just forgot to sign up previously or you've been thinking about it, we'd really like to try to get a head count of who all would like to go. So if you would sign up today, Sherry is next door in the fellowship hall getting ready for the the shower right now, so I'm not sure if the sign-up list is in the back. If it's not, if you will get with me or Sherry and let the, let them let her know that you would like to go. That would be great so we can get a good head count as to how many, how many folks are going. All right. I think that's enough announcements there. If I didn't... Yes, sir? Yes. Um, thank you. I forgot that. If Our new sign that's out there, we had several different companies come together and donate, whether it's the, the LED lighting within it, the pole, the frame, the artwork. A lot, a lot of different entities really put forth a, a, a donation and such to get make that sign possible that we could get to see at night all lit up and everything. Praise God for that sign. So what we would like to do next week after the service, but before the business meeting, before lunch, we'd like to get everybody we can to just gather around the sign, and we're going to take a picture with a big sign that says, thank you, and then we'll take that picture, and we're going to send to each one of those Uh, corporations that made that possible for us to have that sign so any of you guys that that would if you can i'd like to get as many people as i can in the picture to let them know how many people they blessed by by making this sign possible so if you can stay for a little bit even if you can't stay for lunch and business meeting if you can just run around and take a picture with us by the sign real quick i would greatly appreciate that amen all right, I think that's enough of that. Though. I'm going to turn it over to the scripture reading. Mr. Bob, has, there he is. Bob has it today. Come on up, brother. Let me pray with you. Father God, I again come before you thanking you. Uh, it is awesome anytime I see Bob get up to see a young man, the next generation, willing to come and be used by you in so many mighty ways. And he was sharing with me this morning the, that you've given him a message, and, and he's he's condensing it down for a scripture reading today for now but God you've blessed him and he's willing and I thank you for that. May you just bless his life and give him uh, a peace within of knowing that it's not about him that he's sharing your word with us and may we hear not Bob but hear you through Bob in Jesus name. Amen.
4: So I asked Frank last week if I could do the scripture reading this week. We hadn't had the schedule quite made up yet, but I told him I'd volunteer for this week because last week during the service, I already knew what I wanted to do for the scripture reading today. And through the course of the week, thing after thing has come up just to build upon this. So by the time this morning rolled around, I had to tell Frank, you know, I had to take what a could have easily been a 30-minute sermon and condense it to a five-minute scripture reading. So here's my best shot at that. So one of the things I've noticed we do as a church is every now and then we get in that rut where we just come. We go through the motions. And when we come to the gather together, a lot of times we can come and for... I just condensed it to four basic emotional states. So we can come in a good state where we're on an emotional high or we're seeking God. We can come in a bad state where we're troubled or distracted by things. We can come in a neutral state where we're just numb. We aren't really feeling anything. We're just here. Or we can come in truth and... uh, john four twenty four tells us what it means to worship in spirit and truth, which is our emotions and our thoughts should be led by the spirit if our, If we're not led by the Spirit during worship, then that's not true worship. so we're allowed or we're, we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us through our worship um, but what happens when We're in one of those other states where we're not here to worship in truth, where we're here in a good mood, a bad mood, or just here. Um, So Matthew 15, 7 through 9, tells us that just pretending and going through the motions is hypocritical of us. It tells us that that's not how we're supposed to do things. Um, So... If we're not supposed to come and go through the motions, then what should we do during worship? Um, Psalm forty one through 3 tells us, David shows us what to do. So in verse 1, David says that he waited patiently for the Lord, and the Lord gave him a new song. Um, so to wait patiently doesn't necessarily mean to do nothing, because if you sit around and you do nothing, nothing's going to happen. So... What can we do then? If we want to experience that true worship, what we can do is we can focus on God. We can focus on the songs we're singing and pay attention to them. Because if you've noticed, a lot of the songs we do, we do fairly regularly, not repetitively, but sometimes. And there's a lot of words that we use within the Christian religion and within our belief system that we hear, but we don't necessarily think about. And that's what led me to this scripture reading today, is the term King of Kings. So, we were doing Revelation Song last week, and I was picturing in my mind as we were going through Revelation Song, the scene set in Revelation chapter 4, which we'll read in a few minutes. But that was kind of going through my mind, and the term King of Kings stuck, because we don't, we hear it all the time but do we really think about what it means? If you think about a king, great kings from our history, we have Louis the 14th of France. So, he was a very good king. He reigned for 72 years, which is one of the longest reigns in history. He ended feudalism in or in France. He modernized the country. He strengthened the military and he improved fine arts throughout the country. All things he can he did within his reign. We'll go to the opposite end. Let's look at uh, John, King John of England. Um, He reigned for 16 and a half years. He betrayed everybody close to him and all of his countrymen. He imprisoned and killed the threats to his rule. He starved disobedient men to death, um, tortured, hanged, beheaded, stabbed, uh, blinded and starved thousands. So we're looking at a very good king versus a very bad king, but we have the king of kings. This is somebody who has complete authority. In Philippians 2 9 through 11, we find that every knee will bow. Every king that we've ever had in history who's had authority has to bow to our king. We have a king that has absolute authority and sovereignty over everything. Um, in Revelation 2.17, it tells us that we receive a new name when we enter glory. Jesus is no exception. When he, when he descended to hell and reascended to heaven, God gave him a new name. And scripture tells us right there in Philippians 2.9-11 that when that name is uttered, every knee will bow, every tongue will praise him. So, if you really look at the terms that we use regularly, stop and think about that. If you do that, you can easily get yourself put back into a spirit of worship. Um, just to get us going into the song set next, I'm going to go ahead and pray with you all, and then after that, I wanted to read Revelation chapter 4 for you all. So, if the band and everyone will come up, Um, what I want y'all to do as I read through Revelation 4 is just do whatever you have to. Close your eyes. Just try to picture this scene as we read through it. So, Bob, if y'all will come up. um, Okay. So Revelation chapter 4, and I'm going to start in verse 2. It says, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and a throne was set there in heaven. One was seated on the throne, and one seated looked like jasper and carnelian stone. A rainbow that looked like an emerald surrounded the throne. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with gold crowns on their heads. Flashes of lightning and rumblings of thunder came from the throne. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which were seven spirits of God. Something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal, was also before the throne. Four living creatures, covered with eyes in the front and back, were in the middle and around the thrones. And the four living creatures was like a lion. The second creature had a face like a man. The third... uh. Was like a calf, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Each of the four creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes, and inside, uh, day and night never stopped singing, Holy, 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 Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Whenever the living creatures gave glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, The twenty-four elders fell down before the one seated on the throne, worshiped the one who lives forever, and cast their crowns before him, saying, Our Lord, our God, you are worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. Because you have created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. So, just picture that, and let that lead you into this worship set. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you today, and we just thank you for sending your Son And we just thank you for letting him volunteer to come for us. We see kings throughout history who wouldn't sacrifice anything for anybody. And Lord, you just gave us your son who volunteered to come down and suffer for us and to die for us. And even to best hell for us. We just thank you so much for him. And we thank you so much for what you give to us through him. We thank you for your grace, and we ask you, Lord, to clear our minds and clear our hearts now to connect to you. Just allow us to truly experience worship with you right now. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Bless the Lord. The Bible tells us in the last day that we'll hear the trumpet of the Lord. The trumpet of the Lord will sound and we'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And I think a lot of times we read that, we don't think about what that means, but we're going to receive a new body and this old busted up. Worn out body is going to be changed for a body that will never grow old And we're going to be able to be in the presence of Jesus forever And the Bible says that we'll be called up to meet him in the air That the dead in Christ will rise first And then we who are alive will also likewise be called up to meet him in the air And that's what this song's about, Heaven's Jubilee Join us as we sing Some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air Coming after you and me joy is ours to share, what rejoicing there will be when the saints shall rise, headed for that jubilee yonder in the skies, oh what singing, Singing. oh what shouting, on that happy morning when we all so gladly rise, oh what glory, Glory. hallelujah, when we meet our blessed Savior in the skies. Seems it now I almost see all the sainted dead Rising for that jubilee that is just ahead In the twinkling of an eye, change with them to be All the living saints who fly to that jubilee Oh, what singing, oh, what shouting On that happy morning when we all so gladly rise Oh, what glory, hallelujah when we meet our blessed Savior in the sky. When with all the heavenly hosts we begin to sing, singing in the Holy Ghost, how the heavens will ring. Myriads there will join the song, with them we shall be praising Christ through ages long, heaven's jubilee. Oh, what singing! Oh what shout on that happy morning when we also gladly rise Oh what glory glory, Hallelujah when we meet our blessed Savior in the skies Oh what singing Oh what shout on that happy morning when we also gladly rise Oh what glory, glory, glory Hallelujah When we meet our blessed Savior in the skies When we meet our blessed Savior in the sky, there are some people who say we cannot tell whether we are saved or whether all is well. They say we can only, hope and trust it so. But I was there when it happened, and I guess I ought to know. Yeah, I know when Jesus saved me, the very moment he forgave me. He took away my heavy burden, and he gave me peace within. Satan can't make me doubt it. It's real, and I'm going to shout it. And I was there when it happened, and I guess I ought to know. I, know. And I don't care who tells me, salvation is now real. Yes,
4: real.
3: Though the world may argue, they we cannot feel the heavy burdens lifted, and the vile sins go. But I was there when it happened, and I guess I ought to know. Yeah, I know when Jesus saved me, save my soul. the very moment he forgave me. He took away my heavy burden, and, my he and he gave it. me it. peace with it. Satan can't make me doubt it, Thrilling I'm going to shout it. Because I was there when it, it happened, 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 and I, I guess I ought to know. know. I yeah, I know when Jesus I saved me, save the very moment he forgave me. Took away my heavy burden, and He gave me peace within. Satan can't make me doubt it. It's I'm gonna shout Because I was there when it happened, and I guess I ought to know. I was there when it happened, and I guess I ought to know. When I in awesome wonder consider all the world that has at me I see the star I Sings my soul. and hear the grow and feel the gentle way then sings my So shall come with shout of acclamation and take
2: Thank you, guys, for leading us this morning. If you have your Bibles this morning, be turning. we got two different. We're going to have several passages of scripture, probably, but we're going to be looking at Colossians three nineteen. And I forgot to give Bob the the heads up on that. But Colossians three nineteen, and we're also going to be looking at Ephesians chapter five, Ephesians five twenty five and twenty nine. So I encourage you to be turning there. We're going to start off this morning with a a little bit of a song, especially since uh, Bob was leading the music this morning and everything, and and it was uh, very good, and it was the country type songs. This may clash with you a little bit, but it is a secular song, and and the reason why I wanted you to listen to this in a moment, because this is a secular group. This is a group that I tend to listen to when I'm working out, I go to the and I go to the gym every day. This is a, you, you, you may need to pray for me later, but it's the, you know, it's the kind of music I work out to when I go to the gym. But what, but what I wanted to play this for you for is the important thing to notice here is that these people are not Christians, yet even they know what's right. They're not a Christian group, they are a secular group, but the message in the song is something that even they should, they know is right. So therefore, we as Christians should definitely be understanding. So I want you to listen. We're only going to play a little over a minute of the song. And the words will be, the, the little video I found has the words with it, just in case some folks can't understand the words. But but the words are right there with it. And, and uh, I, want, I want you to just hear what they say in this song. I'll go ahead and play that about a minute or wherever it was there. I told him to cut it off before it really got loud. (laughs) But do you see the message that that's a secular group that's putting out there? But I have a feeling, and I have been told at times, well, it's a cultural thing. You don't understand, Pastor. I've never preached on spousal abuse before. However, whether you tell me it's a cultural thing or whatever you want to put out there, what I want us to look at this morning is the scriptural thing. That the Bible has to say about that. I want us to look at what Scripture has laid forth for us to understand when it comes to how we are to to uphold and how we are to treat our spouses. Husbands are commanded. If you you had turned to Colossians, look at Colossians again. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 19, husbands are commanded, love your wives. It didn't say husbands, maybe, it says husbands. Love your wives and do not become bitter against them. Or some translations say, do not be harsh towards them. The King James uses the word harsh. We are to love our wives and do not be harsh towards them. That is not, this is something you might think about. This is not something that you should contemplate. It is a command there to you and I. If you turn over to Ephesians... In Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as also Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, to make her holy, cleansing her in the washing of water by the word. And he did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands, you should love your wives as your own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are the members of one body. When you look at what Christ has laid out there, guys, when he's when he's put it there, every Christian is called to, to, to submit to something. Every one of us is has been called to submit to authority, children to children to their parents citizens to government, um, uh, wives to husbands, uh, Christians to one another, church members to elders, the church, the Christians in general, to Christ. Everybody has been called to submit in one way or another to the authorities around them. That, When you think about it like that, and we like to throw that word submit out there, the, the sub, when we put submission of wives and husbands in that kind of wider context of submissive to Jesus, We need to take on a new understanding. Rather than trying to say, well, you have to submit to me, remember, we all are to submit to Christ. Amen? And if we are submitted to Christ, then I am to do what Christ has called me to do, regardless of what I want to do. If I am submitting to Christ, it's not about what I think any longer. It's not about what I feel as though someone should submit as how. I need to submit to Christ and act the way that Christ has called me to act. When I am submitted unto Christ the way Christ would have me to be, men specifically right now, but everyone in general, then I am going to love my wife. I am going to treat the weaker sex. And we're going to look at that in a little bit. We are going to treat the others as Christ would have me to treat them. And what was that? As Christ loved the church, then I should love them. As Christ died for the church, I should die for them. As Christ protects the church, then so therefore I should protect them. I am to be submissive unto Christ before I ever even remotely want to get the idea that someone has to be submitted to me. I need to make sure that I am submitted first, that I am submitted to where I am supposed to be. I am supposed to be submitted to Christ. and I am supposed to be submitted, even scripturally, I'm supposed to be submitted to the civil authorities. God has put the police officers around me to uphold those things. I am to be submitted to each other. I am to be submissive to the church. That means the the, the rightness or wrongness of any act of submission needs to be discerned by taking into account all the the relevant relationships. If I, I am to be responsible to Jesus Christ first, and then under him to various persons and others. Every one of us that is called Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior needs to understand that our first priority is to be submissive to Christ. Then, discerning the, the, the path of love and obedience that God would have me to walk down. Lord, what would you have me to do in this situation? Now, when two or more of these submissive relationships collide, that's when we need to stop and we have been called to humble ourselves and we need to use some, some, some Bible-saturated spiritual wisdom to discern where I'm supposed to go next. It is not for me to make the decision. It is for me to go to Christ. Lord, what should I do in the midst of this? Lord, where should I go here? What am I to do here? Husbands are commanded, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. He says, it goes on, we are told to love our wives. We are to love them as we love our own bodies. He who loves his, his own body, loves his wife, loves himself. For no one has hated himself. For no one is going to tear down himself, but nourishes and cherishes himself. The focus of, of the husband, Christ-likeness, if you will, is loving his wife as Christ loves the church. Folks, let me tell you this morning, Christ, when he hung upon that cross, it was not a happy day. He was not just saying, wow, I can't wait to be nailed to a tree, to be beaten and drugged through the streets, called names and all this stuff. But I love the church enough to do whatever it takes to make it so that she can have a eternity set with me in glory. I love the church enough that I will do everything to lift her up, cleanse, without spot, holy, unblemished. And then what does it say in Ephesians? Men, love your wives as, you, as Christ loved the church. That means we should love our wives in a, in a fashion, spouses. I'm going to say women to the husbands as well, but I'm speaking primarily to men right now. We should love our wives to the point that we lift them up to the best of our ability without spot, without blemish, unstained, unbruised unto the Lord. We should should love our wives as Christ loves the church. Christian husbands. We can be Christians and husbands, but we are not Christ. We are to emulate, we are to try to the best of our ability to be as Christ would have us to be, but we are finite, we are fallible, we are just forgiven sinners. We are not Christ. Therefore, if I am not Christ, then I cannot suppose to stand in the place of Christ. Does that make sense? I am not to put myself in the position where I start using my wisdom and my power to do things. I cannot usurp the wisdom and the power and the authority and the rights of Christ. Jesus Christ laid it out that this is what, how I love the church. When I vary from that position and start taking matters into my own hands and start treating others, and specifically here my wife, when I start treating females, women, in a fashion that God did not tell me to do, I'm trying to equate myself with Christ or usurp his authority and his rights and his privileges. Because I'm now saying that though you told me to act this way, Christ, I think I'm going to do this. And you may think it's just between you and your wife, However, if I want to take the power and the authority and the rights away from Christ, my battle now is not with her, it's with him. And guess who's going to win that fight? Christ will have someone, somehow, or he could just speak, he's going to win that fight. He's going to put someone, something in a position where that is going to intercede. And somehow he will win. He doesn't lose. When we start putting ourselves in that Christ position, we're wrong. The likeness to Christ should be in leading our wives in a a limited and focused way. What does it say there? He gave himself up for her. He nourishes. He cherishes. He is not harsh with her. If we want to be the Christian husband and, and and raise up our children in such a fashion so that we can be examples, if we want to be the husband to our wives that Christ has called us to be, then we are not harsh. We are nurturing. We are cherishing. And we should be willing to give ourselves up for them. And in so doing, Be the example to the others that do not know. And sometimes the trainers as well. That's why I want you to listen to that secular song. Even the secular world realizes that, wow, God's created in a fashion where we should be standing up for those that can't stand up for themselves. We should not be abusing just because we are bigger. I'm saying this morning that when we abuse abusive husbands and wives, but when we abuse our spouses specifically here this morning, when we abuse our wives, we are breaking God's law. And I don't care if you tell me it's cultural or not, you're culturally breaking God's law. Well, that's not politically correct, Pastor. I don't really care. It's what the Scripture says. And we need more people stepping up to the plate and quit closing their eyes and putting their heads under a carpet when people are getting abused. Excuse me. We need people to have the courage to step up and step out and be what God's called them to be and forget all the political correct stuff. We are to cherish, nourish, honor, lift up them up without spot and without blemish. Therefore, That kind of relationship is not to to be indulged by the church. I would say it's to be disciplined by the church. That kind of relationship is something that we need to understand that the church is going to stand against. That the church is going to make a biblical stand and say that this is the way our wives, our women, our daughters, our children are to be treated. The wife is not insubordinate when she cries out to god when she cries out to the church for help she is not being insubordinate a christian woman should not feel that her only help available is the police she should be able to go to the church and the church not condemn her but let's surround her and lift her up i believe it's a biblical failure of the church when women feel as though they can't go and seek help from an abusive spouse Scripturally, we should be making a stand. Scripturally, we need to make a stand that Jesus Christ knew what was right and knows what is right. Now, understand, the recourse to to civil authorities may be the right thing for an abused wife to do. There is that law. Threatening or intentionally inflicting bodily harm against a spouse or or any family member as, as far as that goes is a misdemeanor in the state of Texas that can have jail time, fines, and or both. And sometimes I think that's needed to tre- teach lessons, which means the husband who threatens and, and intentionally injures his wife, threatens and intentionally goes beyond and, and, and does things to, to, to blemish and hurt and tear down, is not only breaking God's moral law, but it's also breaking the civil law, which the Scripture says that we are to uphold. So now we've got two different fashions, two different venues, two different avenues that shows that the church is correct for standing up and protecting the rights of the women. For standing up and protecting the rights of our spouses and our wives. When a man is expecting his wife to quietly accept his threats, to quietly accept the injuries, he is asking her to participate both in breaking God's moral law and breaking the civil law. So now you're leading others and becoming a stumbling block as well. There is no way out of this If you are that person that abuses, if you're the person that stands by and watches that kind of abuse, I want to say that there's moral law and there is civil law both that you're choosing to turn your eyes from. We've been called to make a stand. We have been called to be salt upon the earth. You know, God himself is the ones who put the law enforcement officers around to protect. In fact, in Romans, Paul says in Romans 1 3, he says, if you do wrong, be afraid, be afraid, for I have put those amongst you, put those amongst you, and their sword will not be in vain, for he is a servant of God, the avenger of the who carries God's wrong to the wrongdoer. Look that up again exactly right, Romans thirteen four. But God ordained those civil servants. God ordained those governments. God put that forth so that we will have that civil authority and we're to uphold that. A wife's submission the authority of civil law for, for, for Christ's sake, if she prayed about it and did what God told her to do, I would say, therefore, overrules her, her submission to her husband's demand that she endures it. When she prays about it and goes where God's told her to go, now she can take that recourse with a, a, a heavy and humble heart. And it may be heavy and humble, and she's praying for her husband's repentance and and restoration and into a nurturing leadership. But she should have that avenue available to go to the church or go to the law without people condemning or convicting or throwing that word, you forgot to submit to your husband. No, the husband forgot to submit to Christ. Folks, what I'm trying to say this morning is as a church, we need to get behind what Christ says here. Now, I'm not saying a woman should be happy about having to to, to uh, go to the church or to the civil authorities about her husband. I don't say she, she has to, to enjoy that, nor am I saying that that man cannot repent. I pray Jesus himself said that, that divorce was because of the hardening of our hearts. In the beginning, it was not so. I believe that any relationship can be restored regardless of what's taking place in the midst of it, if both parties are willing to submit to Christ. It may take a lot of work. It may take a lot of counseling. It may take a lot of interaction. And it may take a lot of time. But relationships can be restored if both will submit unto Christ. But it takes repentance and true submission. No woman should ever be treated as some kind of disposable possession. That is not scriptural, guys. It's not. Just because we are bigger, and you can point to cultures all over the world where the woman is subservient and and, 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 has, and still being beaten and all these things, I say look to the teachings of Christ, and you'll see that that's not the way it's supposed to be. I don't care how many countries say that the woman is supposed to be beaten down that way. Christ did not. And Ephesians laid it out. And we'd like to point out that the wives are be really submissive. Well, if you go back to the Ephesians 5, where we just read that, there's three verses to the women on submission. There's nine to the men. And when the men meet all nine of theirs, then we'll talk about the woman meeting her three. Because if the man is meeting all nine verses that's geared towards him, you know what happens? What well, woman would not want to submit to a man like that? if she knows that he is going to do everything within his power to lift her without spot and without blemish and put her before God, to die for her, to do everything for her, that woman wants to be right there. Now, I understand that the church has been called to show mercy. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful, it says in the book of Luke. I understand that. But there are times when mercy, for one, demands justice for the other. There are times when being merciful means interceding and stepping into the middle of it. There are times when when, when there has to be a criminal case brought to to bring any kind of light. There's many ways to show mercy to people, uh, even when they're having to pay fines or go to jail. But rarely would I say seldom is the position that the choice is simply mercy or no mercy. We need to stop and pray. We need to pray for godly wisdom. Lord, what would you have me to do here? For many women, the thought of their husband going to jail, being publicly shamed, uh, losing time on his job, it, it, it's too undesirable to, to to be able to take in, to know that the church may call her to think badly of her and her family. So what happens is she, she endures and she endures and she endures because the church didn't have the courage to speak out and step in. So she endures and she endures, and finally the stress continues to build and be And before long, she becomes to a point of desperation or she gets harmed in a fashion that can't be taken back. Folks, I pray this morning that everyone in this church, whether you're you're sitting here physically, whether you're watching on the YouTube channel, whether it's by CD, podcast, however you hear my voice this morning, women of the church should know that there are spiritual men and women of the church that they can turn to for help before they reach that point of desperation, before they get harmed to a point that there is no taking it back. We need to let our church members know. We need to let each other know. You need to let your spouse know today that you want to commit yourself and submit yourself unto Christ so that they will never have to feel that point of desperation. And we need to let each other know that I am here for you, that I want to be here for you, and I will help you in any way I can, in any way of, of fashion. Now, by caution, I, I tend to lament maybe not all churches have those spiritually gifted and compassionate people, but I would say most do. And I pray, God, if you're here in this body right now, we are. And if you need to come to me, then pray, please, think. don't let it build up. We need to intervene. We need to intervene for one another, both in prayer and sometimes physically. There are mature brothers and sisters that if they will act the way God tells them to act can reach in and bring a husband to repentance and reconciliation and save marriages rather than the marriages deteriorating, the children getting a bad example, and the next generation moving on with the same old, same old. We need to make that stand, guys. Christian women, or men either one, should never have to face abuse alone. Ever. We should call it out. If we have the wherewithal, we should do something about it. As in that secular song, it doesn't say that he actually intercedes, but what does he say? And that's a secular song here. He, he calls him out. Do you feel like a man when you push her around? Do you feel like a man when she falls to the ground? Well, let me let you in on something. I may not be able to stop this, he says in this song, but one day this world's going to end. And when this world's going to end, you're going to have an accountants to pay. They don't, that's That group, I can, shouldn't guarantee, I doubt very highly they have any Christians in that band. They do? really praise the lord some of the songs i've heard from them that that i had to i have to question but that's awesome that's awesome the group's red jumpsuit apparatus i don't know if you ever want to go listen to them but anyway that makes my day chris thank you i didn't even look because i just assumed oops (laughs) but you know what the message is still clear It's a message that we could preach right in here. Folks, if one more point I want to make here too. I understand, and I've been praying about this quite a bit the last few days. I understand that Jesus commanded his disciples. He said, if someone slaps your right cheek, then you should turn to him the other one as well. And let me say to you this morning, he is describing a way of love. And and, and it is a what a way that we need is the testimony of Christ that tells me that he was sufficient enough that I, don't, I do not ever have to seek revenge. And that's the kind of love he's shown if you look in, in the Gospels or First Peter chapter 2, when it says that he went and, and allowed himself to be slapped and beaten and torn apart and nailed to that tree. That was the kind of love he was showing for you and I. By allowing those people to do that to him, there was a furthering of that cost. But let me say this, that is not the only path of love open to those who are persecuted it is not the only one the bible sometimes warrants fleeing and sometimes the bible warrants making a stand paul bunyan he wrote the pilgrim's progress that's probably the main book you've heard by him but he's written quite a few different books but he struggled with that very thought he was struggled with that very passage of scripture and he was dealing with and he wrote a, a a huge passage on how to deal with persecution when are you supposed to run and when are you supposed to stay, stand? And I, I wrote this down. I want to share it with you. This is what he says. He says, he that flies has warrant to do so. He who makes a stand also has warrant to do so. Yea, the same man but may both fly and stand as the call and the working of God within his heart tells him to do now. Moses fled in Exodus 2, but Moses stood in Hebrews 11. Jeremiah fled in thir- Jeremiah 37, Jeremiah stood in verse chapter 38. David fled in 1 Samuel uh, 19. David stood in 1 Samuel 24. Christ withdrew himself in Luke 19. Christ made a stand in John 18. Paul fled in 2 Corinthians 11. Paul made a stand in Acts chapter 20. Folks, we should not ever fly out of a worldly fear, but because God tells us to fly. And when he tells us to flee, that's when we should flee. We should not stand out of pride and arrogance. But if God tells us to make a stand, then we need to make a stand. We cannot turn a blind eye to abuse and when others are being mistreated and harmed just because we want to use the, well, God said I have to turn the other cheek. That's not what he always says, guys. And that's not something that we always need to remember. He says, pray. We are to look to Christ first. God, what would you have me to do? When the Bible says that religion... In James chapter one it says, religion is pure. Religion is undefiled before God the Father when you do this. When you go and you visit the widows and the orphans in their affliction. You hear that? That's James chapter 1, verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is when we go and we visit orphans and widows in their affliction. What is that telling me? That implies that Christians with means, Christians with the strength should take initiative for those who are weaker. We should intercede for the widows and the orphans when they are inflicted. In other words, we should intercede for those who cannot do it for themselves. The visitation here, this text is not just just so for nothing. You don't go and visit just just so you can say you visited. It is for help. It is for protection. It is for, for provision. It is to go and help these people. He says, Pure and clean religion is when we go to those who are weaker, to those who are afflicted, the orphans, the widows who are afflicted, when we go to help those who cannot help themselves and intercede and let Christ work for them. That's pure and clean religion. Turning a blind eye to the abuse that happens to weaker vessels, that's not pure and clear religion. That's protecting yourself and not standing up for Christ. The message I'm trying to get across this morning, when Jesus commands his disciples to turn the other cheek, he does not mean not to do something if you can. He's not saying that, that I, if I'm it should not do something that will keep you from being slapped again. We are one body, correct? As a body of Christ, we are one body. If I have my hand in a physical body now as a human, if I have my hand sticking out here and I see you with a hammer about to slap my hand with that hammer, I can almost guarantee you that my other hand is going to protect my body. My other hand sees what happened. I may not be able to move that one, but you better watch out for this one. I'm going to do everything I can to protect my body. If we are the body of Christ and we see a brother or sister, a child that's about to get hit with that hammer, don't you think the rest of the body of Christ should do something to protect that part of the body rather than turn your head and watch it go? And I will take it even a step further. Jesus said that he came and he died for whomsoever that believes. If Jesus says, I died for whomsoever, that means he died for those that's not even part of the body yet. Therefore, I may not even have to wait and see if they're part of the body to protect them. I can look there and say, God came and died for whomsoever, and I see a weaker vessel being afflicted. God said a pure and clear religion is to go to those and visit those that are in affliction. Therefore, I feel as though God's called me to protect that body. or who knows, that body may be part of his body today, tomorrow, next week. Where if I don't intercede and step in the way that body may die before the decision's been made. There's lots of scriptures that we like to stand on sometimes and use them for our own purpose rather than the way God intended them. And I think sometimes we'll say, well, I'm just going to turn the other cheek because in reality we don't have the courage to step up as David did and draw the sword. We don't have the courage to break out the word of God and share what's right. And as I was praying about this Friday night, Saturday, and I thought about how I've never preached a sermon on spousal abuse, I got to think I've never heard one either. And I thought how incredibly sad that this is getting more and more rampant in our society today and people are becoming more and more disposable and more and more people are getting hurt And the church is staying quiet about it. I'm not saying that they're not. There may be churches out there that's preached on this, and I just haven't heard it. But I felt like God laid in my heart to make sure we understand that husbands, we are to love our wives as the joint heirs to the throne that they are. God loved them enough to make them joint heirs. God loved them enough to tell you and I command us to not treat them harshly, to love and cherish and nurture them. He commanded us to lift them up without spot, without blemish, without blame. If God's laid so much emphasis down there, why are we not preaching the sermons to it? And let me say this as a, as a closing plea, if you will. I pray that as, as men of the church, there needs to be a, a complementarian Is even a word? Yeah, there we go. Complimentary. There we go. Marriage. We should be coming together here, guys. Men need to bear the responsibility, if you will, not only for their, their own courage and gentleness, but for the gentleness and courage of other men as well. We need to let women know that God loves them. We should live in a way that our lives and our family and to our wives is an example. And then when we see others who are not, try in a loving and humble way, pray first, obviously, share with them what it means to be a husband in God's house, what it means to be a wife in God's house. We need to make it a part of the culture of manhood in the church for men to not only not abuse, but to not. Tolerate abuse as well. I think in society, it used to be that way. You watch the old movies, there was chivalry. You know, nobody would have thought about beating up women and letting people get away with that. And vice versa. I know men get beat up in some relationships as well. At least I've heard of that. But we need to step up. We need to step out. Regardless of how it is in society, this is the way it should be in God's family. Now, this morning, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're not in God's family. And therefore, I can't expect you to be able to understand how to lift your spouse up. I can't expect you to understand all the nuances of how Christ loved the church. But what I can expect is... My Lord said that he stands at the door and knocks. My Lord said that, that he died for whomsoever will heed, listen, hear. Whomsoever believes in their heart that he is the Son of God and has been resurrected from the dead, so shall he be saved. What I can believe is if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're listening by podcast or the YouTube channel, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can this very minute make that decision. And if you're struggling with those choices and those decisions on how to treat your spouse, you may have anger issues. I fully comprehend and understand anger issues. Been there. I'm telling you my God's bigger. You want to repent and reconcile your marriage? You want to go and and be able to be the example to your neighbor or your coworker or whomever it may be? You want to be able to instruct the men, young men of the next generation on what it means to be a godly man? Then take it to the Father and ask for that wisdom. Ask for that direction. Will it put you in harm's way? Maybe. Will you maybe have to make a stand sometimes? Maybe. But you know what? When you stand before the Lord, one day this world's going to end. I'd rather hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But why did you run and hide when you knew what was going on? This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray that you'll make that choice, that decision today. If you do, and you realize that maybe that is you, or you realize that there's someone you need to go and witness to, then I'm going to ask you to seek God's direction. God, what would you have me to do this day? How can I reconcile my marriage? How can I truly change the man that I am? How can I witness to my my brother? How can I witness to my uncle, my son? Take it to the Lord and trust him. Do what God calls you to do. And then all the fallout is his. But we have to submit ourselves to Christ first. Ladies, let me say again. And there may be some of you out there that's agitated that I'm using terms like the weaker sex and such as that. I understand we live in a day where women are... are equal and can do everything that a man can do. But there's some things, physiologically, that are just true. Most men are bigger than most ladies. Most men have a, women have a temper. It's usually done with their mouth, where most men use their hands. So ladies, please don't think that I'm trying to demean anyone. But let me say this. If you are in a position where you feel as though that the, there is abuse, there is harm coming, you're at a point of desperation, go to the Lord immediately. But then find a Christian brother and sister or sister and say, I need help. Ladies, actually, I'd rather you go to a Christian sister who will go to the brother. That way, there's, Satan can't get his foot in there in any way. But don't hold it in. Don't allow God's word to be a shackle. When men try to quote Ephesians 5.22 and say, Wives, submit to your husbands. It does say wives, submit to your husbands several times in the scripture. When those husbands are what God's called them to be. Where are you this morning? I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And I pray this today not just for you guys, but every woman in the world that's having to go through this. And I'm saying there's women in other countries there that, that, that are from birth marked. Let's pray that God's creations will be treated as God's creations. And may we do be those that treat, that treat them in such a fashion as well. Stand up for your brothers and sisters. Don't let the hand of the body get hit because the other hand was held behind the back. Let God use your hands. Amen. That's all stand on and lead us in a word of prayer. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I know this this isn't the typical kind of sermon per se for me. It doesn't change the fact that Christ is here, and if you feel that tug upon his heart your heart, today's that day. If Christ is calling you out, will you step out? Will you be man enough, woman enough to accept the call he's given you? He didn't call us to come and join his army and sit on the back pew. He called us to go forth to draw the sword and preach the gospel. Go ye therefore and make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He didn't say sit and turn a blind eye. Are you willing and ready? to go out from this place and be what God's called you to be. That's the prayer I lift up this morning. Father God, I come before you and I ask in the name of Jesus, if there's someone here today that has never surrendered their heart unto you, that, this, that you would change that today. May you touch them in a mighty way and just uh, use them in a fashion to where, where they will not only step out and accept you, they will understand that the life they've been living was not yours, and that they will just, just repent from it, turn from it, and choose this day to go forward proclaiming your gospel. And Father, the I pray for the rest of us in here, and right now the men specifically. We live in a world where chivalry is, Satan has taken that out, I think, in many ways, between TV shows and such Our ladies have forgotten what it's like to be protected and have doors opened and such. But God, I just pray this morning that every man in this place will choose to honor his spouse and honor all women the way that you created and designed them. You said we are not to be harsh, but to lift them up. May we make that choice and that decision today that we love our wives enough to treat them as create, created beings of yours. You said, Lord, they are joint heirs to your throne. May we treat them as such. God, give to the women and the, the ladies in this sanctuary as well the, the grace of knowing that you're there with them, regardless of the situation they're in. You love them, you're with them, you're filling them. And if she will keep her eyes upon you, you will pull her through, whatever it may be. And then help us as a body, Lord God. Be the brothers and sisters to one another, willing to protect one another as well. God, may your will be done in the hearts of your people this day. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. This altar will be open. If you're making a decision for Christ today, please step out. You can pray right where you're at. He'll accept, He'll wrap his arms around you. But the Bible says... He who professes me before men, so shall I profess before the Father. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, accept him. That's first and foremost. But then tell somebody. Tell somebody. If you had won Powerball last night, I guarantee you would have told everybody. Well, probably not to the lawyers hit it somewhere, but still. This, Christ is far greater than whatever the Powerball can offer you. So let's tell others. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's sing this one, guys.